The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to those expressing them and do not necessarily reflect the OSA Foundation Incorporated or any other group or individual. This podcast may contain dialogue or subject material that could be considered for mature audiences only. All aspects of how you play the game and the OSIP Foundation Incorporated are protected by copyright and other state and federal intellectual property laws. Unauthorized use without the express written consent of the OSIP Foundation Incorporated is strictly prohibited. If you're interested in sponsoring how you play the game, please email us at podcast at OSIPFoundation.org. Your sponsorship may be tax deductible. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of How You Play the Game, the official podcast of the OSIP Foundation Incorporated. Yours truly, Jack Furlong, with you as we talk to you about what's going on as far as the world of sportsmanship is concerned. This is the second episode of the month of October. The year is 2022. So glad you can be with us. As always, check us out online at OSIPFoundation.org. We actually made some updates to the website, so it's much nicer, I think more pages up there so you can understand exactly what we're doing, all that kind of good stuff. So I highly recommend you check out osafoundation.org. Remember that you can contact the show via email. Just send me an email with the address podcast at osafoundation.org. And as always, we're on social media, facebook.com slash osafoundation, Twitter and Instagram at osafoundation, hashtag how you play the game. And of course, you can check us out on YouTube and our apparel store is on Bonfire and our book is available on Amazon. So we're going to continue with what we've been doing a little bit now, which is the uh, shorter episodes with just me and uh, Sean will uh, produce. And uh, I'm sure he'll join us again very soon. I know he misses us, but uh, for now, let's uh, let's keep on keeping on with this. We got a couple of quick things to discuss. Uh, the first thing I wanted to discuss is something that I noticed during uh, the MLB playoffs. Um, you know, so it's obviously October now and playoff baseball is here and it's been you know, a great ride so far. Uh, the wild card weekend, I think, was exceptional. I had a lot of fun watching uh, those games, and the division series is underway. And it's just, it's, it's really a good thing, I think, for baseball, especially uh, considering we started with the lockout and whatnot. Uh, so we're all having a lot of fun with that, and that's good. Um, you know, as, as everybody knows, the Cleveland Guardians uh, were once known as the Cleveland Indians. You know, and uh, they changed their name. It's their prerogative to do so. And really, the, the opinion on whether or not they should have changed their name is irrelevant to this point that I'm going to make. Um, so let's put that aside for a moment and just note that they are the Cleveland Guardians, okay? Now, the issue that I'm noticing is that there are a lot of people in the media, uh, especially older people who have been around baseball forever, who, through no fault of their own, continue to accidentally call them the Cleveland Indians. And usually, I would say like 99% of the time, they catch themselves. They'll, they'll say Cleveland Indians, and then they'll go, oh, excuse me, Guardians? Something like that. Well, if you watch the reactions of some people, especially on social media, especially on Twitter, for example, people take... The op, every opportunity they can to jump on those who accidentally call them the Indians. And in terms of sportsmanship, I want to discuss that for a minute. We it, This kind of goes back to the cancel culture in that we are very quick to point out the faults of others. We are always looking for a pound of flesh. We're always looking 
to uh, punch downwards, to, to, to point our fingers at the people who are wrong because they make a mistake, whether we, you know, whether they agree with our viewpoint or not, all that kind of stuff. Whether it's a factual mistake or an opinionated mistake, which is not really technically a mistake at that point. It, it's a difference of opinion um, when, when facts are not involved. If I say I like chocolate and somebody else says they like vanilla and, you know, I start yelling at the person for not liking chocolate and, you know, coming up with all these different crazy things about about vanilla and whatnot, that's not fact. That's a difference of opinion. So anyway, we, we, we are so there are a lot of people who are very quick to denounce these people who, who continue to screw up and accidentally call them the Indians and what I'd like to say about that is careful careful where you're going with this because this is this is the same template in all of cancel culture. If you're going to continue to call out people who make innocent mistakes like that, saying, oh, they must be racist or prejudiced or they're not woke or this, that, the other, just wait. Just wait because what goes around comes around. And maybe that's not good sportsmanship, but in terms of trying to renew the culture and to renew the standard of sportsmanship, we kind of have to point this out. You know, I, I and that's not to say that there aren't people out there who are going to be completely against the, the you know the the guardians changing their name, but it's just it's it's just that we have to be we have to be nicer. Is that the word we're looking for here? For which we are looking. And I'll, and here's here's the one thing that got me as to why this is this is a story worth discussing. So I'm watching Wild Card Weekend, and the Tampa Bay Rays are in Cleveland to face the Guardians, and the Guardians won that series in two games, and it was the second game. That was the 15 inning game. I mean, geez, oh man, that was a heck of a baseball game. If you look at the crowd. You look at the fans in the stands, you know, you, you, you watch as the cameras survey the spectators. Do you know how many people in the stands are still wearing, sorry, that was my stomach or my, my throat or something. I'm sure Sean will edit that out. And if not, then, hey, he's not doing his job, but that's okay. Uh, do you know how many people were wearing Indians gear? A lot. There were a lot of people, a lot of Cleveland fans who did not go out and buy Cleveland Guardian merchandise. There were a lot of people in the stands wearing the Chief Wahoo hats and the old Indians jerseys. So are we going to just bash them because they refuse to spend the money on new gear? To me, it sounds more like they, they want to just be associated with their franchise, the one for which they've been rooting. And by wearing their Indians gear, it's like, I'm still doing that. And they're not, they're not as OCD or HSP as me and thinking, oh, I have, to, I have to get the new stuff. They really don't care. Or they do care and they say, no, I'm making a stand by not buying the stuff. Now, you, if you want to be offended by the name Cleveland Indians, that's fine. I'm not saying that's an invalid argument. What I'm saying is we need to be a bit more compassionate or at least understanding if and when people screw up, especially innocently. 
You accidentally say Cleveland Indians and you correct yourself to Guardians because it's an old habit for crying out loud. It's not the end of the world. You got to look into the, the context of people's hearts and realize, okay, the brains have just been doing this for God knows how long and they're going to slip up from time to time. And are we going to take offense of or from the Cleveland fans who decide to continue to wear the Indians garb? If you don't like it, don't show up. Don't watch. I'm sorry. Major League Baseball has made it a point to say this. It is up to the individual franchises to determine what they want to do with their names regarding this stuff. Cleveland decided to change from the Indians to the Guardians. The Atlanta Braves haven't done anything. Okay, that's fine. I mean, do we, do we want to go down the list of all the different franchises that have names that could be offensive? The Washington Redskins are now the Washington Commanders. But I believe the Chicago Blackhawks are still the Blackhawks. And for the record, too, every time a franchise changes their name like this, there's always something stupid that goes with it. In the case of the Cleveland Guardians, there is a roller rink team, I believe it is, or an indoor hockey team, roller uh, rollerball team. I can't remember. I apologize. In Cleveland, they were the Cleveland Guardians. So somebody in the Cleveland baseball franchise didn't take the time to go to Google and just say, okay, we've all settled on Cleveland Guardians. Let's see what happens if we put this into the old Google machine and see what comes out. I mean, talk about lunacy. And then with the Washington Commanders, there's nobody there who said, I think they're going to call us the Washington Commies. The, the, the franchise that is in Washington, D.C., the, the capital of our nation, which is the, the beacon of capitalism, is going to have a team nicknamed or colloquially named the Commies. Can't make this stuff up. Can't make this stuff up. I, it, it's, the, the whole thing is, in terms of sportsmanship, it points to compassion. When we, when, we, when we try and go overboard with this stuff, sometimes we make more problems. Put it into context. Think about what's really important in life. There are a lot of, a lot of things that are more important in life than some of that stuff. If, we, if, you, if you are, you know, if, if perhaps someone is going to get offended if the Cleveland Guardians remained the Cleveland Indians, and by doing so, they extrapolated that this will continue to send the wrong message about the Native Americans. You know, we're going to continue to do the stereotypes of, um, you know, of the old ways of what you know. Uh, it would basically mock them to a certain degree. Or, it, you know, fine. Maybe, maybe we should instead. Just do a little bit more educating. What if the Cleveland Guardians remained the Cleveland Indians and somewhere in their stadium they set up a museum 
that basically was educational in terms of why Indians is technically incorrect and promoted the good stuff, the good history of the Native Americans. What if they did that? I'll tell you something. Down in Atlanta, they stopped doing the chop. They stopped playing that. The fans keep doing it. The fans keep doing it. Just saying. It's a shame, too, because what we feel philosophically should be correct does not always jive with what the world wants. And it's frustrating. I know that personally. I look at all of the endeavors that I have in my life as a professional jazz musician, as someone who is fighting for good sportsmanship and treating other people properly, as someone who's trying to run a bakery and can't get customers, as someone who's written books, or a book in this case, on sportsmanship and just can't get people to buy it. You can't force this stuff because people should be doing it. It's just... What we want does not always jive with what's happening in the world. And it sucks. I'm not going to try and you know sugarcoat that. It's frustrating as hell. I mean, I, I'm trying like hell to get people to buy the baked goods that I, that I make in my bakery. And I can't get people to do it. And my mom, God bless her, said, you can't force people to do this stuff. It's the same thing with, with me as a professional jazz musician. You know, you go try and book a gig and people say, you know, well, you need to bring X number of people to the gig. Well, unfortunately, I can't go to every house on that block, knock on the door, grab them by the ear and say, hey, you're coming with me. You're going to come listen to jazz tonight. I'd like to. And for the record, it, it really does hurt me when people don't come out. To this stuff, you know, I'm sure I've told these stories before. Maybe I have, maybe I haven't, maybe not even on this podcast. But you know, you, 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 I spend so much time advertising my work as a jazz musician, and then you know, you, you, you put it all over social media. You say, "Hey, come on out and listen to some jazz and whatnot," and then nobody comes out. It's the story of my life. It's the it is the absolute story of my life that 95 percent of my family and my friends and even casual acquaintances and even make up whoever you want. They don't come out and support me. They don't come out and support me as a musician, as a baker, as a philanthropist. You know, it sucks. But how do you make them do it? And the same thing goes with this stuff with the Cleveland Guardians and the Atlanta Braves. You can force it down their throats all you want. We're now known as the Guardians. But it's still up to the individuals to say, should I wear my Indian's garb? We're not going to do the chop anymore down here at uh, Truist Park here where the Atlanta Braves play. And then 50,000 people take out their cell phones, put their flashlights on, and do the chop in unison. (sighs) What are we going to do? Be the old man who's yelling at the cloud? Sorry, it just doesn't work. It's an interesting conundrum. And it, it to me, it it highlights the need that we that we have to 
open greater discussion. Talk about it. Not pass judgment. That's the other part of this is, is to, as we discuss this, let's not pass judgment. Let's just consider facts and, and allow each person to do their own work on it. You know, it's up to us as individuals to be able to consider things and then either say, I accept this or I reject this or it's somewhere in between. That's called breakthrough learning. And I learned a long time ago, breakthrough learning ends very early in life. Think back to when you were in elementary school, five, six, seven, eight years old, and you were learning things. It was amazing, right? You were astounded as you learned new things. Nowadays, as we learn new things, we're so quick to reject them because they don't fit with what we believe. And that's not to say that we have to accept them. Our job as human beings is to consider them and then make the tough decision to either say, you know what, I need to consider this more and, and, and actually believe this, or you know what, this doesn't work for me. And yeah, that gets us into trouble because then, you know, we, we don't know what the facts are and then people try and tell you, well, you have to believe this because it's fact. And, and I mean, that takes us into a completely different argument and I'm not going there on this episode. But you understand what I'm saying? It's gray. It's not black and white. It is gray. The whole moral of this part of the story is to basically just say, listen, cut some people some slack. Cut them some slack. There is no reason to jump on people if they accidentally call the Cleveland Guardians the Cleveland Indians. That's it. That's absolutely it. And if you're one of those people who hears that and has to become a bully on Twitter immediately, finish the sentence here yourself. So the second thing I wanted to discuss today is something that came across my desk, and I've actually done some research on this, and we might have more on this in a future episode. But in the NBA, they are now handing out warning cards. And these warning cards are going to fans. And essentially, let me see if I can pull up exactly what it says here. I'm trying to find it. This is, uh, is this, uh, this little inside podcasting as we, uh, as we try and figure out exactly what's okay. So it essentially says this, okay, this is, this is, this is what the first draft of the card said. And the cards have since been slightly updated, but you get you get the gist, okay? It's a warning. NBA logos on it, and it says, quote, you are being issued a warning that the comments, gestures, and or behaviors that you have directed at players, coaches, game officials, and or other spectators constitute excessive verbal abuse and are in violation of the NBA fan code of conduct. This is the first and only warning that you will receive. If, after receiving this warning, you verbally abuse any player, coach, game official, or spectator, you will be immediately ejected from the arena without refund. Now, the reason that this is a thing is because all of a sudden, something went viral with it. A fan by the name of DJ Scheme 
tweeted this out. He he was at a preseason game, and he was handed the card. And in the tweet, he took a picture of it, and he said, quote, some guy gave me my first official NBA warning. Goofy, he said, I said the F word. And according to the sports rush, he then went on to dox the man who handed him the card. Now, I could not verify that he doxed him or not. Okay? We talked about this on an earlier episode way back in the day, how doxing is, you know, basically like releasing all this stuff about this guy so he gets all the hate. So I researched the warning cards. We have our friend Steve Javi, right? So our, my good buddy Sean Goff, the vice chair of the board of directors for OSIP, reached out to Steve. And Steve said, we've been doing this since 2013, but it's just now basically getting some more attention again. He noted an incident, I believe it was with the Washington Wizards, where there were people behind the bench of, I want to say it was the opponents who were basically like disrupting the team huddles. And this kind of thing spurred it on. So essentially what was going on is they're now handing these things out. And I found this out because I was on Twitter and one of the accounts that supports officials repeated this, or I'm sorry, retweeted this and just said, you know, retweeted the, the picture and said, um, do you think this helps or hinders or what is your opinion on it? And I was like, this is great. I've, this is the first I'm hearing of it because I'm not, I'm not the NBA fan that Sean is. And. I was like, how do I how do I get behind this? I think this is this can only do good. And then there were some other people that commented and they were like, yeah, we can't, you know, it's not going to do too much. We don't think it's been going on since 2013 and it's kind of hard to, you know, enforce this stuff. And that made me think of if you've seen the movie Dodgeball, the the referee in that one game takes out the little rope that's like reddish and, you know, and, and like waves it in the face of, I think it's Ben Stiller's character going, that's a warning, that's a warning, you know, and you're like, yeah, that's basically what this is. It's a warning and it's the, you know, you, you're, it does come off like this really lame way of warning people, but it's a necessary step. You've, you've set a standard where you're saying, listen, this isn't Okay. And it might look really stupid that I'm handing you this card that's officially warning you. And your reaction to it is probably going to be just that. Look at this idiot that's handing me this card. Yeah, this is going to stop me. But then that gives you carte blanche to you know kick him out after that. You did your job. And I think it highlights something else here. Why is it? Why is it that as spectators, we feel like we have to get to be part of the game at any contest. Why do we feel that? Why do we feel it's our right to do that stuff? Yes, okay, you paid money to go to the game. You have the right to cheer and you have the right to boo. I get all of that. I just I, I just don't condone it. I understand it, but I don't condone it. Never never once recently. I'm sure that in the past I have felt this way before I really started to understand sportsmanship. But in, in the recent past, I don't recall booing. Maybe when I was younger I did. But I just don't recall booing. Like, like I have to give somebody a piece of my mind as they're walking off the field. I just don't get it. 
I'd like to be positive rather than negative. Do I, is there something going on in my life where I literally have to take the time to tell people how I feel by booing them as they're coming off the field or something like that? I just, I just don't understand it. And then I seriously don't understand the people who have to hurl, you know, these horrible insults. Like we think about, you know, with, with the Cleveland Guardians now being in New York for the playoffs, we think about what happened with Miles Straw you know, back in April where he climbed the outfield fence and and the whole thing happened where, you know, the Yankees walked off and then people started throwing things. It was, I mean, it was bad. It was really bad. I actually did an episode of the podcast by myself way back then and I didn't release it. And it was essentially just a reaction to that saying, you know, a lot of people were talking about how Yankee fans are classless and Miles Straw came out and, you know, he's getting he's getting really hammered by the Yankee faithful because he went on record in the press of saying it's the worst fan base in the world and everybody knows it. And I have to say, Miles, that's not the case. What you're essentially doing is saying anybody affiliated with the Yankees is a bad person when in reality it's just the hooligans, as John Sterling called them, who incite this stuff. And our job at OSIP is to tell these hooligans, so to speak, don't do that. Go to the game. Relax. Have fun. Enjoy it. And then put yourself in the position of the players. If you don't perform, do you want to get booed? I know I don't. I am well aware when I suck, which is also the title of my upcoming book. If I go play a jazz gig and I know I just do not have it that night, yeah, people are going to applaud, but I'm going to go backstage and I'm going to go, wow, I am terrible. I'm not even going to try and pretend I was any good. You know, because that's what people who care do. Sometimes people are too hard on themselves anyway, and I would almost rather that. You know, if I had the choice of either being so aloof that, I, that I'm absolutely terrible but think I'm great, or I'm actually pretty good and think I'm terrible, I'd rather think I'm terrible when I'm actually pretty good. It's a lot easier to fix that than the alternative. So these NBA cards, I'm shocked that this is the first I'm hearing about them, but I like it. And my thanks goes out to both Sean Goff and Steve Javi for doing some research on it. And maybe we'll get Steve on the show, or maybe we'll get someone else from the NBA on the show, because I'd love to talk about it more. Again, it sounds weird. It sounds kind of lame, but it's pretty simple. You act like a you act like a stupid idiot at a at a contest. You're going to get warned and say, you "Just cut it out. Just stop it." Because if you don't, you're gone. Where have I heard that before? Oh, I don't know anywhere in sports as an official. How many times as an umpire have I had to turn to somebody and say, "Will you stop?" And then I have to impose a penalty. Oh my god. Why do we think that we have the right as paying customers to do this stuff? I don't get it. I just don't get it. So that's the second topic. And the final topic I want to talk about is our annual appeal. We're starting something new this year with OSIP. As 2022 comes to an end, we are starting an annual appeal. This is our first ever annual appeal. You might be you know, be familiar with these appeals from other charities, whether a religious organization or another nonprofit. You know, you get the envelopes in the mail where they ask you to make a donation and whatnot. Well, we're going to do that. We're not necessarily going to mail things out to you. But we are going to try and make a push. 
in the final two months of the calendar year and try and make some money because we need those funds to operate. Someone asked me recently, okay, so you have this organization. Where does my money go? If I give to you, where does my money go? Because it's not very clear. And I said, you know what? That's a great point. And this is now spelled out on our website. I informally said or, or wrote on the, on the website, your money goes to or the, the money that we get gets divided up into three informal categories. And each category is funded a different way. So the first one is general operating support. Okay, a nonprofit business is still a business and we still need funds to operate. So so the money that we get for the general operating comes from basically any unrestricted fund. So if you donate for any reason, that's where it goes to start. Okay? And these do things like help us pay our bills, you know, website bills, postage, you know, all the normal stuff it takes to, to run any business. I mean, it costs us money to put this podcast out. It's not a lot, but it does cost us something. And we need that. We need, we need those donations to help OSIP keep going. And then we also try and compensate those who, who work for the organization. And these are not the board, the, the, the board of directors. Okay, The board of directors are complete volunteers. There's five of them on the board. They do a great job. That's Sean, 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 Ian, and Nadia. Yeah, there are three Sean's on the board. So if your name is Sean and you want to get involved, change your name first, okay? But they don't they don't get paid. In fact, they donate to us. They donate to OSIP because they believe in the cause. And their job during this appeal is to try and get other people to see the same thing that they see and donate as well. Okay? But then we try and make sure that other people who work for the organization are fairly compensated. And let me tell you so far. That hasn't happened, but we'd like to have it happen. You know, these people do a lot of fine work and we want them to be compensated. We want them to be able to say, you know what? I made a little bit of money because I did this work for this organization. So that's the general operating support. Okay. That's the first place that, that the money goes. The second place that the money goes to are some of our programs, such as the podcast, such as uh, the sportsmanship signs that we put up, you know, such as our book, okay? So the money for this usually comes from either grants or specific funds that are restricted. So for example, some people will donate to OSIP, but in their donation, they'll say, look, I want my money to go to this. Okay, that's what we do. We earmark it for that and we only use it on that. Those are restricted funds. And then the final thing that where your money goes is to the financial aid and assistance that we give to the victims of poor sportsmanship. So you may remember almost 10 years ago when we started, this whole thing was kind of fueled by the Brian Stowe incident. Our money goes to people like that because when people are assaulted physically because of this, because of poor sportsmanship, usually it becomes a lawsuit. Usually insurance gets involved. And a lot of bad stuff can happen. Okay, I know this from personal experience. Subrogation is a real thing. If you don't know what subrogation is, okay, in, in our country, with the way that the insurance industry and the legal system is set up, when you file a lawsuit 
a civil lawsuit against somebody or their insurance company for being physically assaulted and you stand to earn a financial reward from this third party as a result of it, if you have your own insurance company or companies that are paying money out to you to help you recover, they have the right to demand that their money gets repaid and it's coming from that third-party settlement that you're getting. Subrogation is actually supposed to be illegal in the United States, but there are a lot of states that passed local legislation at the state level to circumvent the national law. So someone like a Brian Stowe who has permanent injuries probably can't pay his bills because he can't work. And that's where we step in. No, we don't offer financial rewards or awards, you know, like like you might get from a from a court settlement. All we want is to make sure that people know that they can have peace of mind as they're recovering. We just want them to be able to pay their rent and to eat. Cuz that can be scary. I'll tell you a quick story about why this is important. About 10 years ago, right before Right after we started OSIP, my girlfriend, who's our COO, Caitlin, she was in a car accident, had a brain injury, and we went through this, and she couldn't work for three years, and I couldn't work because I was taking care of her, and yeah, we had, she had all the insurance she needed, and, and they were taking care of her to make sure that she recovered and whatnot, but insurance companies put up so many fights They literally deny payment and coverage and whatnot until the very last minute once you you sue your own companies and they will meet you on the court steps right before you walk into the trial to say, okay, what do you want? And people have to live that way, not knowing, am I going to get the treatment that I need? Am I going to be able to pay my bills? And at OSIP, what we want is we just want to make sure that people get what they need. If you are assaulted like this, we just want to make sure that your rent is paid, that you have food, that bill collectors aren't coming to your house trying to repossess things. It's the least that we can do for people who are victims of these heinous crimes. You think about the the umpire who was assaulted in northern New Jersey. Go with me on this one. Let's just say all of a sudden now, he can't umpire any more games. And he relied on that income to pay for certain bills. That's where we step in. And we say, listen, we want to just make sure that your bare necessities are met. You got enough to worry about about which to worry. We just want to make sure that you have some peace of mind. We're going to make sure that your mortgage is paid if we have the money, and we want to just make sure that you're getting fed. And we don't have a lot of money. We don't. But that's where your money goes when you when you give it to us. Okay? So we're going to start our annual appeal on November 1st, and it's going to run through the end of the calendar year. 
And any donation that you make to us is completely tax deductible. You should talk to your tax uh, tax professional about that. But we are five hundred one c three, so you may be able to deduct, may be able to deduct that donation on your taxes. When you give to OSIP, that's where your money's going. You're helping people who are victims of these senseless crimes, and you're allowing us to do our work where we renew the standard of sportsmanship in our culture, where we're able to go into local middle schools and say, we want to reward those of you who understand what good sportsmanship means. You're allowing us to go to, li- to other sports leagues and put up signs and say, will you treat people right? You're allowing us to educate and, and to empower the public who support our mission. And that's really important. It's really important. I know I sound like a broken record, like you know the you know the people that you hear on like the PBS pledge fund drives and whatnot, and you're going to get the tote bag and all those kinds of things. I know I sound like that, but it's true. So if you want, you know, and we want you to know where your money's going. We're we're not just sitting on it. We're trying to help people. So if you want to make a donation, just go to osifoundation.org. There you can click on the donate button and that'll take you to PayPal where you can make a donation. We can get you a receipt. You can come out to trivia and make a donation that way. Whatever you need. We understand. Well, I think I've talked long enough. This episode has actually gone on much longer than I thought and I'm just by myself. I feel I, I'm, I'm literally going to now develop some sort of psychological issue because I'm talking to myself. I have to pretend I'm talking to somebody. Instead, there's just a giant microphone in front of me. Okay, now that I'm crazy, we want to thank everybody for joining me today. Or, yeah, let me, let me try that again with proper English. I would like to thank everybody for joining me today. If I said we would like to thank everybody for joining me, that just sounds even worse. As always, remember, you can check us out and you can donate at osafoundation.org. You want to email me? The address is podcast at osafoundation.org. Check us out on social media, facebook.com slash osafoundation, Twitter and Instagram at osafoundation, hashtag how you play the game. Remember that we do have select episodes on YouTube, the apparel stores on Bonfire, and our book on sportsmanship, a critical reader and handbook by yours truly is available now on Amazon. It's in hardcover, paperback, and for Kindle. So we'll talk to you again real soon, about two more weeks. And until then, treat each other with respect. How You Play the Game is a production of the OSIP Foundation, Incorporated. The producer-engineer of this episode is Sean Ryan. Music by SoundSpring Studio. The executive producer of How You Play the Game is Jack Furlong. For more information, visit osipfoundation.org.